So there's a, an awful lot in those 48 verses, um, and we're not going to cover every single verse, but there, there are things in that passage that you might have questions about that I'm not going to answer in this sermon, and if there are things, um, just give me a call during the week or have a chat with me. I'd love to talk about them. Um, but what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to try my best to, to get across why this passage is here. And, and what is the, the one big thing that I believe the Lord is trying to say to us as the church this morning through it? So that's my aim as I preach. Let me pray, and then we'll come to look at God's word together. And do open your Bibles when we come to do that. Lord, thank you for the scriptures, and thank you that every single passage is breathed out by you and is for us. Father, I pray this morning that as we come to look at this passage in Acts chapter 10, that you would help us to see what you're saying to us and to hear what you're saying to us and to take to heart what you're saying to us and to transform us through what you're saying to us. Father, open our hearts to your word and help me to preach your word faithfully and clearly this morning. But speak to us, we pray, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you prejudiced? That's a tough question, isn't it? Are you prejudiced? Now my guess is that some of you will sit here this morning and you'll say, nope, not me. Other people are, but, but not me. Well, according to one of the world's leading experts on prejudice, a, a man who has wrote the book on prejudice, all of us are prejudiced people. In his book, The Nature of Prejudice, psychologist Gordon Allport argues that all humans are prejudiced, and he gives various reasons for that, and then he argues that we're often prejudiced in a very negative way. According to the psychologist, the expert, each of us here this morning will be prejudiced people. There are people who we despise, Maybe we don't despise them, but, but maybe we strongly dislike them. There, there are groups of people who we disassociate with, who we distance ourselves from, who we would never go near and speak to or make friends with in a million years. I wonder who those people are in your life. And there are many reasons why we might be prejudiced. Maybe we were brought up that way, brought up with parents who were prejudiced and they've handed that prejudice on to us. Or maybe we had a bad experience with a person who was part of a wider group and we kind of just tore everyone in that group to be like the person who we had a negative experience with. Who are you prejudiced against this morning? Maybe you're still fighting me internally here. <laughs> Maybe you're still sitting here going, Marty, not me, honestly. Hear what you're saying, not me. Let me read out different groups of people just now. Different groups of people. And if at any stage your heart sinks within you, then my guess is that it's because you're prejudiced against these groups of people. Republicans. Anyone heart sink there? People covered in tattoos. Romanians. Teenagers. Specifically the big groups who hang out 
on the Krieger Road. Muslims, homosexuals, asylum seekers, feminists, orange men, addicts, posh people. Did you find your heart sink at any of those? Or have you identified something that I could have said there that would have made your heart sink? You see, friends, the reality is that, that prejudice lives deep in the hearts of all of us. It's there in all of us. It's in each of us. And at the beginning of Acts chapter 10, we meet a man who the Christians at this stage in history would have been very prejudiced against. We meet a man at the beginning of Acts chapter 10 who the apostle Peter himself would have been very prejudiced against. And if you have a look with me at verse one, you'll see his name. He is a man called Cornelius. And in verse 1, what we see are the reasons why Peter and why the Christians at this stage in history would have been prejudiced against him. Have a look with me at the verse. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. The first reason that Peter, who if you remember had a Jewish background and also all of the Christians at this time, they had a Jewish background. The reason, the first reason they would have been prejudiced against this man Cornelius was because he was a centurion. He was a Roman soldier. He was a soldier of the Roman Empire. And at this time, the Roman Empire, they were occupying what the Jews classed as their homeland. The Roman soldiers were unwanted soldiers. The Roman soldiers were uh, representatives of an enemy to the Jewish people. There would have been deep-seated prejudice against this man Cornelius simply because he was a soldier of the Roman Empire. You know, as little kids the Jewish children, they would have been brought up to despise the Roman soldiers. They would have been brought up to, to strongly dislike them. As little children in the house, they would have been told the stories how this was the land that God had given to them and now it was being occupied by these Roman soldiers. We can understand that in this province, can't we? Rewind 30, 40, 50 years, we understand that type of prejudice. Well, that's what the Apostle Peter would have grown up with, and that's what all of the Christians who were from a Jewish background, that's what all of the church would have been brought up with at this stage. A prejudice against the soldiers of the Roman Empire. And there's something else about Cornelius which, which would have made the church and Peter prejudice against him, and that's that he was part of what was called the Italian cohort. It seems that Cornelius was an Italian. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with Italians. I mean, they have produced some of the finest cuisine in the world. Who doesn't like pizza and pasta? It's great. But at this time, in this context, Italians were foreigners. They were not Jewish. They were not God's people. They were foreigners. They were Gentiles. They worshipped multiple gods who didn't even exist. The Jews, they were God's people and everyone else, they were foreigners and Gentiles and not to be associated with. They weren't to be mixed with. They weren't to be spoken to. They were to be separated from. And so this man, he's a, he's a Gentile and Peter, he, he would have been prejudiced against this man because of that. As would every member of the church because at this stage in history they were all from a Jewish background. But you know what? There's something really interesting about this foreign soldier. Something really interesting about this man, Cornelius, who Peter and the church would have been prejudiced against. And the interesting thing is that this man was longing for God. This man was seeking God. This man, he, he wanted to know God. He wanted to belong to God. He wanted to follow God. This man who the church would have been prejudiced against was seeking to know and belong to God. And you see it so clearly in verse 2. Have a look with me there. It says there that he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. That term God-fearing, that's the first thing it says. It says that Cornelius and his family were God-fearing. And what that means is that they had come to reject the idea of multiple gods and accept the idea that there was only one God. They had come to fear one God, this God who created the universe. They'd come to respect the one God who they believed existed. Probably the God who the Jews worshipped. This man believed that there was only one God and he feared him. He had a, a respect for him. And then what else does it say? It says that he, he also gave generously to those in need, probably trying to please this one God. He thought, well, I don't know this God and I, I don't know how to live for him, so I wonder how I please him. Well, I'll do good to those he's made and so he, he gives to those in need. And if you have a look, it says he even prayed regularly to God. He spoke to God hoping to get an answer. He, he spoke to God hoping to make a connection. Here's a man who's longing for God. And he's a man who Peter and the church would have been prejudiced against. And I think there's something we need to learn from this this morning as the church. And it's this, it's that those that we might find ourselves prejudiced against might just be seeking God. The people who we as the church might find ourselves prejudiced against, there are people in those communities and in those groups of people who are probably seeking God. They're looking for God. They want God. They're trying to find God. They want relationship with God. And they cannot find him on their own. 
but they're seeking and they're searching just like Cornelius was. And here's what's really tragic. Here's what's really, really sad. What's really sad with with Cornelius is that because Peter and the church were prejudiced against him, they were never going to go to him with the gospel. Because they despised him, because they disassociated with him, because they distanced themselves from him, they were never going to go to him and tell him about Jesus. They were going to stay in their holy huddle and condemn him from afar. Their prejudice was a barrier that was going to stop them from sharing the gospel with someone who was seeking God and someone who God was also seeking. Friends, do you see the the problem that prejudice brings if it's in the life of the church? It stops us really reaching all those who God wants us to reach. It's tragic and it's sad. But God, God is the God who he loves to smash barriers, doesn't he? He's the God who, when he sees something in the way of his will, he just demolishes it. <laughs> and this is what he does here in this passage. Peter's prejudice, it's a wall, it's a barrier, it's going to stop him ever going to Cornelius. And so what does God do? He, he takes an anti-tank missile and he just obliterates the whole wall that's there. And he does, he takes action in two ways. The first thing he does is that he speaks to Cornelius, and you see that in verses 3 to 6. He speaks to Cornelius, and he speaks to him through an angel. And he says to him, Cornelius, I want you to get some men. I want you to send them to a city called Joppa. It's about 31 miles from where you are. Send them to Joppa. Go down by the sea. There's a house there. It belongs to a man called Simon the Tanner. And in that house, there is one of my men. In that house, there is an apostle called Peter. In that house is someone whose job it is to share the good news of Jesus. Go there and bring that man to you here in Caesarea. And so Cornelius, he he obeys what the angel says. I've said this before, but sometimes in our minds we have angels as kind of like fairies. But in the Bible, angels are described more like soldiers. And so here's this heavenly soldier giving a command to this earthly soldier and the earthly soldier gives a command to his men and sends them to Caesarea, to, to Joppa to, to get Peter and to invite Peter to come to Caesarea. So, so God sends someone to get Peter to bring him to Cornelius. And then we see the second thing that God does. The second thing that God does is that he starts to change Peter's mind and he starts to change Peter's heart. And he does it through this really weird vision. (laughs) It was weird, wasn't it? Did, Did you read about it? You know, there was the sheet coming down out of heaven and there was all these animals that the Jews weren't allowed to eat. And God says to him, Peter, get up, kill and eat. And Peter says, no way, Lord, that's gross. I've never had anything that's unclean or impure. And today we're all sitting around scratching our heads going, what does this mean? Well, what it means is really easy to understand. Because in verse 28 of the passage, Peter tells us 
what the impact of this vision was. So forget all the details. Let's get to the answer of what the difference this vision made. Have a look with me at verse 28. He goes in to the house where the, where the Gentiles were, these people who he had prejudice against, who he despised, who he disassociated with, and look at what he says. He says, you're well aware that it is against our law for, Jews, for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. Okay, so listen up, guys. You know that it's against our law. It's against my tradition to associate with you. It's against my tradition to, to be with you. But I had this vision and here's what the Lord taught me. Look at the second half. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Do you see essentially what Peter's saying there? God has shown me that I need to set my prejudice aside. Cornelius, if you'd have come yesterday, I wouldn't be in this house with you. I wouldn't have spoken to you. I wouldn't have associated with you. I would have despised you. But yesterday I had this vision from the Lord and I didn't know what it means, but now I do. It was wrong for me to think of you as being impure or unclean, untouchable, one to despise, one to disassociate with. The Lord has shown me that I've needed to set my prejudice aside and so that's why I'm here, Cornelius. The Lord, he breaks down that wall of prejudice. He breaks it down in Peter's heart. And what's amazing is actually what Peter does after he receives the vision. There are a number of things that Peter does on the day after he receives the vision that, that, he, wouldn't, that he wouldn't have done before he received it. Let me just highlight them for you. The first thing is that whenever Cornelius' men come, these Gentile men, whenever they arrive, Peter invites them into the house to be his guest. Have a look with me at verse 23. Then Peter invited them into the house to be his guests. A day earlier, he would have sent them packing. But after receiving the vision, after being told by God that he had to get over his prejudices, he invites them into the house. And then what else does he do? Well, the next day he goes with them to Cornelius. Look at verse 24. The next day Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. He goes. He goes to the Gentile Roman soldier. He packs a bag and he treks 31 miles in a day to be with this Roman Gentile soldier. He, he goes. And he doesn't just go, but then he, he associates with Cornelius. Look at verse 25. He entered the house. In the ancient world, to go into someone's house was a sign that you and them were friends. To sit with someone in their home was a sign that you accepted and respected one another. And Peter, he, he does that. He goes in and he associates with Cornelius and his family. And then what does he do? He shares, he, he shares the gospel. He tells them about Jesus. He, he tells them about Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection and that Jesus is the one who's going to judge all of the living and the dead. And then he wraps up his gospel message with these words. 
Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Hey, Cornelius, I have great news. Everyone who believes in Christ will be forgiven. Even you, Cornelius, you foreign Gentile soldier. No, I'm sure he didn't say that. <laughs> even you, Cornelius, even you. He shares the gospel freely with this man. And then what's wonderful is that Cornelius and all his family, they come to faith in Christ. We don't actually get a story of them repenting and believing, but we're just told the Holy Spirit comes and, and they're filled with the Spirit. And Peter turns around and he says, look at verse 48, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. He baptizes them. They're baptized and they're raised as people who now live for Jesus Christ. Baptism, it's a, it's a sign, a visible sign of not belonging to the family of God, of belonging to the church. We baptize children in the Presbyterian church and they belong to the family. They're brought up in this community and if you weren't baptized as a child, we baptize you when you come to faith in Christ as an adult because you now belong to the family of God and to the church. Cornelius would have been despised disassociated with just a few days before and now he is welcomed into the church having come to faith in Christ. God, he does everything intentionally, doesn't he? God makes no mistakes. There are no accidents when it comes to God. And I don't think it's an accident that Peter is in Joppa whenever God calls him to go to Cornelius, because do you know who else was in Joppa when they got the call of God? Do you remember from Sunday school? Jonah was. Jonah was in Joppa, and the Lord called him to go to the Gentiles in Nineveh and to preach to them the gospel, and he said no. He despised them, he hated them, and he would not go. Well, he did end up going. <laughs> he ended up going the very hard way. And so the Lord, he, he calls Peter when he's in Joppa to encourage him not to be a Jonah, but to go to the man he would have despised and to share with him the good news that God wanted him to hear. And it's no accident that this story was preserved in the scriptures for us today. It's no accident that it's been read this morning and preached on. It's no accident that it's here in the book of Acts and that we have it in 2022. Because we as a church, we as Christians, whether we openly admit it or not, have prejudiced in our hearts. And the Lord this morning, he's calling us to overcome that prejudice for the sake of reaching people for Jesus. To get over it for the sake of reaching the lost. Let me tell you this morning, I don't know if we can really get rid of prejudice in our lives. I don't know if we can. I, I don't know if it's possible to rid ourselves completely of prejudice. 
But there, are, there is one thing that we can do, I think, as a church and as individuals to get over it for the sake of the gospel. And it's a very simple thing that I think we can do, and it's this, it's that we need to start to view people like God views them. We need to start to look at people who we're prejudiced against in the way that God looks at them. Folks, every person you meet is someone who's been made by God, made in his image. Each and every person you meet, no matter what their political situation is or their sexuality or their religion, every single person you meet has been made by God and God loves them and is interested in them. That's challenging, isn't it? But if we could just see people like that, it might help us to get over our prejudice to share the gospel with them. Not only is everyone made by God, but everyone who is, we are prejudiced against will face God's judgment without Christ. Peter says that, that Jesus has become the judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is the one who is going to judge all people at the end of time. And if someone hasn't come to Christ and received forgiveness from Christ, they'll be punished and separated from God eternally. It's a horrible thought. They'll face the, the wrath that their sin deserves. Those who are prejudiced against, they're dying without Christ and they're going to a lost eternity. Another way we need to look at them is people who God just might want to rescue. Sometimes I think we can just write people off. Nah, no hope for them. They wouldn't be interested in Christ. We write them off, but friends, the people we're prejudiced against might just be like Cornelius. People who are seeking God and people who God just might want to rescue. I wonder, can we look at people like that? And finally, finally, how should we view people? We should view them as being lost. I went to the Glen Torren match yesterday with Josh, playing more in point. There were over 2,000 people there yesterday. Good turnout for the Oval. And do you know what Josh's biggest fear was going in? That he'd get lost. Dad, what if I get lost? What if I get separated from you? And he was really worried about that. And I said, don't worry, Josh. I, I'm going to hold your hand. I'll be right behind you. I'll be right beside you. You won't get lost. But he, he was so afraid. So afraid to be lost. So afraid to be wandering around, not knowing where to go or not knowing what to do. He was heartbroken by the idea of being separated from me. Friends, those without Christ, those who were prejudiced against, they're just lost. They're lost. They're separated from the God who loves them. They're without guidance and leading in life. They're without hope for the future, many of them. I wonder, would it change our prejudice if we could see that people are lost.
I love Ravenhill. I love it. And one of the things that I love about it is that you are a really welcoming people. There's some churches and they talk about being welcoming, but someone walks in the door and don't really get a good welcome. But you're a great welcoming group of people. And that's what we need to be if we're going to reach the people we're prejudiced against. We need to be welcoming to all. If someone comes in here and they want to sit in church and hear about Jesus, we need to welcome them in no matter what category we put them into. We need to welcome everyone in. And we need to associate with people. We need to build relationships with people who are different from us if we're going to reach them with the gospel. We need to associate with them and get to know them and spend time with them. Not shove them away, not tell them to get away. We need to to build relationships with people if we're going to win them for Christ. And then we need to share the gospel. We need to tell them the good news. We, We can't just keep this to ourselves. We need to share the gospel with those who we get to know. And then everyone who repents and believes, everyone who comes to faith in Christ, regardless of what their background was, whether they were a Gentile uh, Roman soldier, whoever they were before, when they come to Christ, when they come to repentance of faith, whenever they're baptized, we need to welcome them into this church family and let them know they belong. I wonder how your heart has been challenge this morning. I want to finish with a little poem. Very simple. It says this. Some draw a circle that shuts men out. Race and position are what they flout. But Christ in love seeks them all to win. He draws a circle that takes them in. May we as a congregation draw a bigger circle and invite people in to hear about the Savior. Let's pray together. Father, your word tells us that we look at the outward appearance, but you look at the heart. And you know our hearts. You know the prejudice that lives within each of them. You know those whom we despise or those who we dislike, those who we disassociate with, those who we just would prefer would stay away. Oh Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for our prejudice and change our hearts. Lord, may we see people how you do and may we invite them in to hear about you Might we build relationships with them that we might share the gospel with them and help them to be found by you and in you. Father, may we as a congregation be those who welcome in and who reach out to all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.